Welcome to Mary Liar Talks, a podcast that discusses mental health and spiritual well-being. Before we jump in, there may be episodes that are particularly sensitive for some listeners. And if that applies, then I hope you'll be able to join me whenever you feel ready and able. Today's episode is with guest Belinda Ridings. Belinda is a coaching psychologist and also did some research into imposter syndrome, which is our topic for today. So I started off by asking Belinda, what is imposter syndrome? Let's go and chat to her. So imposter syndrome is this felt sense that you're not what you're making yourself out to be. And it often shows up at work and makes people feel like they're about to be caught out, about to be found out as a fake. Right. So I guess there's going to be a lot of anxiety for that person, a lot of maybe trying to overcompensate in terms of striving, in terms of their performance, just to try and make up ground because they feel that they're not up to the job and they're going to be caught out. That's often how it does show up. That's exactly it. Um, That idea of having to show that you're really good Mm. and not allow any cracks or any vulnerabilities to show to the point that people become quite anxious, as you said. And you've done some research on imposter syndrome. Mm. What were the kind of things that came out? Well, the the three defining factors um, of imposter syndrome, um, which is not from me, this is um, the originators of that Mm. concept, were that um, you feel that you've fooled other people into thinking that you're better than you really are. Uh, You explain your success as due to external factors such as luck or a mistake. And the the biggest of the three, which is the fear of being exposed and found out. Yeah, so that's um, that that was the premise on which I went into my research. And I spoke to a number of coaches and used my own coaching experience and found out that um, imposter syndrome is really common. It's a very familiar human experience. And that unlike the original researchers, there's no difference in frequency between genders of the incidence of imposter syndrome. So it can it can be an experience for anyone. Right. Okay. Because I guess there's a lot of um, preconception that it's only certain types of genders that would um, struggle with imposter syndrome. Yeah, that was that was it. That was the original research. It was um, research carried out by feminist researchers in the US in the 70s and they were only really looking at it as a as a um, thing that shows up in female gender um, whereas women tend to talk about it quite openly in that respect so I think that's where that that idea came from. Right okay Hmm. and as a coach um, how many of your clients would you say struggle with imposter syndrome? I think Roughly it's uh, I think it's a lot. I think yeah. maybe 50% might come to me um knowing that I'm I've got some experience with imposter syndrome mm. whereas probably nearer 75% might express some of those fears and concerns that mm. that people who relate to imposter syndrome might also feel. So it's quite common basically. It's really common. Yeah. 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 And do you know what can trigger imposter syndrome? Yeah, it, it is a very specific uh syndrome. So it could be dormant for years and then right. be triggered by something like a promotion beyond the person's sense of of how well they think they should be doing for their mm age or experience so it could be 
a promotion. It could be um, commonplace in careers where people have their performance measured, and that, that's that's quite a common thing anyway these days. But particularly in medicine, um, some sales roles where people are targeted. Uh, and education in particular. So those are the kinds of things that can send people into the imposter syndrome experience really rapidly. And what about root causes? In terms of the causes, there's not much known about it. Mm. But I think when I explore with people in coaching as a psychologist, and people do share about their background, it could be from one of two extremes. So at one end of the continuum, it might be the kind of family where the child is treated as if they're a genius, where they're mm. told they're special, exceptional, gifted, and that child might feel under pressure to perform right. in order to be appreciated and loved and rewarded right. in that family. The exact opposite could also be one of the causes. So a family where a child is either ignored and neglected and not receiving much attention or where in fact they're actively criticized, that mm. child might also feel like their achievements aren't their own. Right, yeah. So very hard to pinpoint, but not untypical of other psychological defenses. You mentioned about how for those who feel that they have imposter syndrome because of those, those three criterias, hmm. that would, that obviously kind of shows or to me it says how based on how they think and also how they feel, that can have a bit of a cloud over their heads in terms of their well-being yeah. and just to have an impact in terms of them enjoying maybe their work mm -hmm. and certain different activities. So how would someone like yourself as a coach how would you try and help that individual to change how they think and then change how they feel so that they don't have those kind of thinkings feelings that struggle yeah yeah I really like what you said there about it being like a cloud hanging over someone and I think mm. it can really take up a lot of thinking space and emotional space for someone who's experiencing that kind of anxiety so Working with um, an individual, we would we would be helping them to do some reality checking, so being very realistic about what their their record of achievement really is, what their experience really is, whether they can actually do the job, and mostly people recognise that they can, sure, um, and that yeah. something set them off feeling like they can't. So it's a matter of um, regulating their nervous system, being a bit calmer, using mindfulness techniques, right. breathing techniques, and reality checking. So once we've got someone into um, a better state of mind, less anxious, more able to think clearly, then there's other things that you can work on about what the origins of the feelings are, how they're showing up in that particular context. I mean, that's really interesting because um, while you were talking, I was just thinking about how just being in that place can really make the individual maybe stagnant in terms of trying to go for career progression, you know, advance in different areas of their lives because of their how they feel. Um, and, and that can hold them back, you know, in terms of just promotions, in terms of those kind of things. So it's quite... Um, debilitating when someone, yeah, if they have some imposter syndrome, it can be quite debilitating and really can affect them in the workplace. It can affect their well-being as well. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I think the fear can be quite paralyzing for people. They can feel like 
they really are about to be dis- discovered as a fake. Mm. So often rather than seeking help or being more realistic about the truth, people go into quite a frightened state, a frozen state, and then it, it's going to prevent them from going for promotions, um, make them a bit secretive at work, reluctant to delegate, more likely to use external consultants if that person's a leader or a manager. Um, right. And it'll be pretty obvious to the wider team that there's some kind of defensive behavior going on. And if someone was going to maybe take some self-help steps, what are the kind of things that they could do? I think having a conversation with some a trusted person, either mm-hmm. at work or in their personal life, uh, sharing some of their concerns, getting some help around doing the reality checking, becoming a bit more clear about what their abilities are and what their abilities aren't as well. So that if there is some factor in that they're not able to do the job t- as well as they'd like, they can get some training and support around that. Or if it's not the right job for them, just accept that they'd be better off somewhere else, you know, happier. Yeah. One life, right? Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, very mm-hmm. true. Make the most of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So don't stay if it's not the right environment because you can't thrive and you can't grow. Um, but yeah, you need to know that that's because it's not the right place for you rather than you've gone into a frightened, frozen state. Sure. And I guess I could probably guess what you're going to say to this one, but. Mm-hmm. Um, Because everyone is different, but roughly, if let's just say someone was to get external help, they were to come to, you know, uh, a coach like yourself, how long can it take for someone to change, you know, and become a non-imposter syndrome person, if that's a word? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it can be pretty quick. It depends on the individual and how entrenched they are and how how close to being found out they feel like they are in their work. Right. So if they really feel like they've had a, a warning at work or someone suggested that they, they oversold themselves at the interview or something like that, then people can be really anxious and frightened. Mm, yeah. And that will that will make it a bit slower. But I think actually rapid changes can be made to some of the kind of reality checking beliefs. And then maybe it takes a little bit longer to look at old stuff. So if it's rooted in childhood and somebody wants to look at how that's made them feel an imposter, that can take a little bit longer. And is there anything that, let's just say, someone in their support system could do to help or support? Um, so like a friend or family member, because I'm I'm guessing really that if someone is struggling and you could tell them like, no, but you're great, you know, you've got mm-hmm. this degree or this PhD or look what you achieved here and there, but they're not really actually taking it in. It can probably be even quite frustrating for someone in that individual circles and, and they're probably, you know, feeling a bit helpless in terms of how they can support that individual. Is there anything that you would say that those in us in the support system of um of someone with imposter syndrome could do to help yeah i think that's a great question and it's difficult when you're friends and family because people tend not to believe you that your intentions are anything other than to be kind mm. um and so they can discount some of that that kind of wise counsel that you right. can give your friend yeah. because 
you're your fr- you're a friend after all. Yeah, your bias, so, perhaps. Yeah. Right, right. And I think if someone's really hooked on the idea that you know they're on the verge of being caught out at work, um, it's really hard to reassure them as a friend. Mm. So referring them to um, a professional might be the best route. But I think there's quite a lot written about imposter syndrome now. So there are articles available. Mm. So if you if you look on the internet. On a search engine, you'll find some really good stuff written about imposter syndrome. Um, some not so great, but I think if you look at an article, pick out two or three tips that really work for you. You don't have to do everything, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think I think there's a lot of really good advice, and I think the reality checking and being really honest with yourself is something you can do with a friend. You can say, "I'm I've never been that good at maths, and that's part of this new role." And your friend can say, yeah, so maybe you need a bit more support around that. Maybe you can talk to someone in the accounts department to get Mm. some mentoring. Yeah, there's definitely Mm. things that friends can help with. Um, And lastly, if someone's listening who can identify with having imposter syndrome, are there any key things that you would Mm. give them as a takeaway? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, look into your heart and ask yourself, what's the purpose of telling yourself that you're not as good as other people think you are. Are you doing that to try and keep yourself motivated? So it's like a motivation, a driver, and that's that's the intention behind telling yourself that? Or is it because you're trying to um, manage people's expectations of you? If it's the latter, um, it sounds like there's something to really work on there. Mm-hmm. You know, Perhaps it's fear of success as much of, as fear of failure. And there's a reason behind that. You're holding yourself back. So I'd say get some help, get over it, you know, live your best life. Don't let it hold you back. Brilliant. I love that. Live your best life. Don't let it hold you back. All right. On that note, I would like to thank you, Belinda. I think you've given us a lot of food for thought. And thanks for sharing your tips and giving that advice. And hopefully it will help someone somewhere out there. I hope so. Thank you, Mary Lyo. Great to talk to you today. Here's a spiritual wellness tip that you can meditate on. It's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, and it reads, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love and self-discipline. Thank you for listening. Do follow and join me again next time on Mary Lyre Talks Beyond the Smile.